This episode of Fight Stories is brought to you by Absolute Nature CBD. 100% natural CBD oil and CBD oil products. And just for being a Fight Stories listener, you get yourself a 20% discount. Plug in the promo code GOONSQUAD at checkout. Happy New Year's from Fight Stories. This is John Moses. Tyler Morrison's up in Canada doing Canada shit, but that doesn't mean that he's not excited about today's episode. Today's episode, we talk to a real high-profile wild card. We're talking to Kenny Simmons. Kenny Simmons is the former bodyguard of Mike Tyson. Now, um, when you're Mike Tyson's bodyguard, you're not really protecting Tyson from other people. You're protecting other people from Tyson. I mean, you're probably protecting Tyson from getting sued, you know, liability, all that stuff. But uh, that doesn't mean you're not going to be tough as nails, right? Tyson met uh, Kenny at Gleason's gym back in the 80s, back when it was in Manhattan, back when it was turning out champions, monsters, guys that were tough as nails. Gleason's is now in Williamsburg. And there still might be a monster or two in there, but most of the people that train at Gleason's now do it in Lululemons. So uh, times have changed. But back then, um, that's where Kenny also met and eventually worked for Muhammad Ali. So he has lived a very interesting life and also had really great insights to the New York boxing scene back in the 80s. Um, unfortunately, me being me, I uh, didn't record some of that info. So this thing starts about 15 minutes into our interview, and we are already at like 60 miles an hour. It starts with him talking about the first time he met and hung out with Tyson outside of the gym, where they, you know, you basically give each other the head nod, like, hey, how's it going, you know? So, um, and then it goes on from there. It's, you know, there's a whole bunch of stories in this thing. He was the bodyguard, you know, Tyson, being a bodyguard for Tyson, introduced him to everybody. So he, you know, was a bodyguard for a bunch of actors, Chris Walken, Eric Roberts. Yes, Eric Roberts needed a bodyguard at some point in time. Uh, Madonna on SNL and uh, Sam Kinison. I mean, come on. That's a cool story about Sam Kinison. He was a Marine before he ever got into the ring. And before he was a Marine, he came from a fucking dog shit childhood. And uh, and since then, he has gone on to uh, act in some movies. He acted in uh, Kick-Ass. And he has produced a documentary that's coming out this year. It's uh, The Rise, America's Unsung Heroes. He is a survivor of 9-11 and has some footage that has previously um, never been seen. So, yeah, go figure. There's still footage out there that nobody has laid eyes on. So, uh, check out this episode and look for America's Unsung Heroes or sorry, the rise America's unsung heroes. I am sure that will be played before nine eleven of this coming year. So uh, check out Kenny Simmons. Also, you can go to his production company, www.coolhandlukeproductions.com. Here's the episode with Kenny Simmons. The story of Mike in the restaurant. Right. So. Now I'm at the Columbus Cafe, Paulie Herman's restaurant, up in uh, Regis Philman, uh, Chris Walken, and Joy Childs. They own this cafe. It's not there anymore. It's 69th in Columbus. And I'm in there. I'm eating. And uh, I had a table for four. Place is packed. You can't get a table. There's nobody there. Blah, blah. But, you know, they know me. I got my own little thing. I got my table. So I, I order steak, mashed potatoes, spinach, bottle of wine I'm sitting there and uh, all of a sudden I start cutting my steak I look down and I, I look up and three brothers walk up to the table and sit down and this is the craziest thing and I, I look at the guy and he goes hey how you doing yeah that that steak looks delicious and I went yeah it, it's really good steak he says can you order another one I said yeah I can he said stop talking like that I said well, um, <laughs> I can't help it. You talk like that. He said, Kenny, I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> now, can you order another steak? I want Yeah, I can. He goes, good. He reaches down, takes my steak, pulls it across the table, and begins devouring my steak. I look at him. I go, and there's two guys. So you guys are friends. Well, we are now. He just <laughs> ate my steak. 
He ain't after me. He even used my fork. It was yeah, in my yeah, mouth. Just an animal. <laughs> I'm like, and, and I'm sitting there. I'm going, what the hell's going on? Excuse me. And the guy next to him is, is Albie Shore. Yeah. He's a, he's a rapper and a music uh, producer. And then alongside him is a guy going, yeah, man. That's cool. And I'm going, well, I know that voice. Yeah, Tone Loke. Yeah, yeah. Don't just stand there, bust a move. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. I loved him more than anybody at the table. I yeah. Like, yeah, I love yeah, that yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I tell the waitress. Bust a move was a hot song back then. Yeah. It was the first big rap song that I know. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, there was a couple guys before them that really started rap. but Yeah, yeah. Um, so I ordered another steak. I wave over Gail. She comes over. I said, Gail, can I get another steak, please? They order another steak, and we're all talking, and the steak comes, and Mike reaches down and takes it, pulls it across the table, starts eating it. What the fuck are you doing, dude? He said, I told you, order another steak. Did you want one? <laughs> <laughs> fuck. <laughs> then he eats it. He gets up. He said, let's go. You're going with us. I said, no, I'm going with you. Yeah, crazy white boy, you're going with me. I go, what? I said, where? He said, come on. He takes a stack of hundreds out like this yeah. and throws it on a table. I look around. No one's really looking. I pick the sack back up, shuffle through it, and take a couple hundred out and throw that on the table. <laughs> yeah. I said, I got a couple grand here. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. I stick it in my pocket. We go out. Yeah, he said, hey, we're going, down, <laughs> we're going down to 46th Street looking at all the bitches on the street. I mean, street horse? Yeah. You got money? I said, not for street horse. Here, you do now. <laughs> he asked me a stack. So I'm sitting in his baby blue Bentley. No, we were sitting in uh, his Ferrari. What year, what year is this? Whatever year it is, it's before Giuliani came and cleaned it all up, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. It was oh, like yeah. 87, maybe, yeah, 88. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was definitely before the, uh, the city guy, before Giuliani came in. Because they were everywhere. Mike's like, don't keep the money in your pocket. And I'm like, why? So we're sitting in the car. As soon as, as soon as the whores walk up to the window, they slip their hands right into your pocket, right into grab, you know, Mr. Jimbrowski and rub it, while that's their right. other hand's taking the cash out. That's right. That's so right. there was nothing in my pocket. They went, oh, well, that's huge, but that's not money. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and Mike's like, where'd you put the money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, it's you in my distracted. You're distracted by the garden lights again. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. And Because uh, one of them got Mike, and we drove around looking for we drove no. around and around and around looking for that one because she had a wad on her. Oh, yeah. But she already probably gave it to her pimp and they oh, were gone Oh, thank area. God you didn't find her. Oh, my God. She would have got murdered. No, she just got skull fucked a lot. <laughs> so so we, uh, we're driving around in these in these Ferraris. They so all got, I'll they be all sure and Bust and Tone Loke are still... All had their own Ferrari. You guys are all rolling around in you guys' three own Ferraris. Three different Ferraris. Pimping Unbelievable. That was an incredible... Yeah, I get to tell these stories because no one can take them back because they're real, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's how I met Tyson officially. Right. You know, I did meet him in the gym for a few minutes and we sure, talked and stuff. But this but is when you're hanging out. Now you're friends. We, you know, when you you're in the gym, Eskimo there's a real there. attitude. You know what I mean? There's yeah. a real joke. There's a chip on my shoulder. Go ahead and knock it off. Right. And you know, a lightweight, a, a spar, a fight, a heavyweight in the gym in a snap of a finger. Right. They don't give a shit. It's all about proving to everybody, you know, what right. you are. Right. You know? So and let's face it, if you're if you're drawn to fighting, you know, chances are or there are a lot of people into it who, uh, you know, mentally aren't necessarily all that stable. You know, they want to fight. They want to, you know, they're like trained animals, you know. Yeah, but look at all the fighters, uh, all these trained animals that you talk about. When you look at them 30 years later, you know, when uh, Fredo Benitez died, didn't know who he was. He was so beat up looking. He, he didn't even know it was him. I didn't know it was him when right. I met him. I cried because he was the first professional fighter. Well, I, yeah, first professional fighter that was a world champion I met. And the night I fought in the, in the garden the first time, yeah. he was the person that I saw downstairs. I went, Fredo Benitez, man. Uh, man, I saw, you know, I don't. I think he fought uh, Leonard after that because he was the champ. Mm. And, I, and to this day, I'll say this, Sugar Ray, there's no way in hell that fight with Alfredo Benitez you won. No way in hell. You didn't beat that man. You didn't take his title. Your name and reputation stole mm. that title. Right. Because right. I gave that fight to Benitez the whole way. Fought him toe-to-toe. He was a champ. He defended his belt beautifully as far as I was concerned. A lot of people don't agree with that, but I don't really give a shit. You know, he, he won that fight. There was no way Leonard won that fight. And just like the Duran's second fight, 
If you watch the second fight that he walked away from, no moss, mm. I, I, Duran was beating his hands, beating his ass hand down. I don't care if Sugar Ray was throwing 500 punches. They all weren't landing, and there was nothing behind him. The right. real damage was doing. But right. I, right. I consider that a fake and a fixed fight. Mm. I think that Duran knew he had to lose that fight, and that's why he walked away no moss because he wasn't going to lose it any other way. Right. And that's just between me and God, you know. But I know that was a fixed fight. Right. Well, when I say trained animals, what I mean is a lot of people from very difficult beginnings of course. You know, are drawn to boxing and professional we are fighting animals. and things Fighters like that. Fighters come you know? from a shit background, right. got nothing, and trying to climb up out of it. Right. Well, people, oh, that wasn't you, Ken. Listen, my dad, uh, my mom left. My mom had six kids, and we lived off maybe $140 a week for 15, 16 years. Right. How do you, how do, you do that? We had nothing. You know, and, and I grew up in a really shit background. My mom I married this real dirtbag. Uh, my stepfather, Matt Mazeka, you fucking piece of shit. So I... And, uh, yeah, but okay. uh, God took everything from him. His balls, his legs, his oh. everything. He's lays in the bed just shitting in a diaper. My mom has to change five times a day, okay? Wow. Waiting for Satan to come and take him home. Wow. But <laughs> that that guy was such a dirtbag. I would, I would go out and, and work a job, make $40 a week during the summer maybe 75 being a, a greenskeeper on a golf course and that guy would take my money yeah so people said well well you became a thief later on ken you're a shoplifting freak i said well i needed clothes i've earned the money to buy them but he stole it right. beat me up take it right so i stole a pair of jeans for for school i stole socks i stole his shirt yeah i did i'm not proud of it and uh, i'm sorry i did it but i had I, you know, I didn't have anything to wear to school if i didn't do it right yeah, and then also, you know, in those types of beginnings, you know, you, you kind of uh, become what you hang around, you know, and if you're running around without any adult supervision, it doesn't excuse any 100%. of it, you know what I mean? But, you know, it's hard not to get a little shit on you when you're playing in the shit, you know? And I didn't want to end up being a hooligan right? or in a gang or, or in prison. I didn't. Right. So, so the first chance I got to get the hell out of where I was at, I joined the United States Marine Corps, and I was gone. Right, and you found Vietnam. Yeah, I grew up. I found a family that loved me. Wow. But your heart is. What a place. What a place to find love. And I did. Because it was better being in the United States Marine Corps and more sane than it was being in a household where some guy was raping my sisters and and tying us up and beating the shit out of us every night. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, he wasn't there. But I I prayed to him every day, but he didn't show (laughs) up. Did you ever beat up your, uh, your stepdad? Well, what happened was, now that you brought that up, I was 15 years old, going on 16. And I uh, opened a door, came into my house from school, and uh, he wasn't supposed to be home, but he was. And now, a couple weeks prior to that, I was taking this class called Sex Education, and I saw stuff in there that kept freaking me out and giving me nightmares at night. So I walked into my sister's room one night at 2 o'clock in the morning and tapped my sister on the shoulder and said, Gail, did Matt rape you? And she just started crying. Oh, no. I said, and she goes, so you know, somebody finally knows. How do you know, Kenny? I said, Gail, I saw him. And now that I'm taking these classes, I know what the hell I saw. It keeps coming to me. I would wake up in cold sweats. And my grandfather been tr- had been training me t- for the Golden Gloves at the time mm. as a boxer, even though I never got to go in them because what was about to happen changed my whole life. So three days later, I came home from school, and he had my sister by the arm. When I opened up the door and I saw my little sister, my uh, younger sister, uh. and I saw her face, and I said, get your fucking hands off my sister. And this 280-pound man looked at me and said, you want some? Come get some. And before he could finish saying get some, I dropped that right hand on his jaw. John, I knocked him cold. Mm. I mean, he went down, he had a glass jaw, no heart, no nothing. When he hit the floor, my feet went to work. I started kicking him in the head. He started waking up. He was starting to get up. I grabbed a gallon of milk off the counter. They used to come in a jug. I slammed him in the head with that, and down he went. And my sister was screaming. She ran outside. My buddies were waiting outside, and they come running in the house. They grabbed me, and they pulled me outside. And he was, by that time, he had a 30-odd six in his hands. And on the way out, I grabbed the baseball bat, and I opened up the pickup door, and I yanked it the wrong direction. Both of them smashed his windows out, popped the hood, went to work on his engine, saying, come on outside. I ain't done with you. Come on outside. And then I realized I could beat this guy's ass. So I went home and I started thinking about how I was going to kill him. 
Mm. Oh, I'm going to take him out. I can. And my friends are like, what were you doing? You had him down. I said, I was trying to drag him into the bathroom, slam his head into the toilet, and kill the son of a bitch. I said, and my buddy looked at me, Kevin, he says, you know, you can't beat him up now, Ken. I go, why not? He raped my sisters. He tied me up and beat me. I looked like a slave. My back was so full of welts. And my brothers, my younger brothers, my older brothers, and Brutal. all of us, he would tie us up every single night and do this to us. And, uh, and my neighbor was a cop. You'd hear a screamer. You'd think the guy would come over just once and do something. But they didn't in those days. Ah. And you couldn't testify against your parents in court. I'd go to school, be covered in bruises. They would take me to the courthouse, and then my mom would show back up and take me back home and beat the shit out of me. And I didn't turn myself into the police or anything. Right. They right. did. And my mom would do it all over again, and the cops and the judge would go, there's nothing I can do. And they'd see. And the judge said, who taught you to speak like this? Because I was saying, fuck this and fuck that. And I said, my mom. My mom backhanded me in the mouth and said, you little motherfucker. <laughs> in front of the judge. Keep your fucking mouth shut. And and the judge goes, oh, I see where you learned it. All right. I see. Brutal. They all felt bad for me. So now I, I think, well, I'm going to kill this guy. My buddy tells me, oh, that's premeditated. You'll go to jail for that, Kenny. I said, after everything you done? He goes, yeah. So the next day, I went down where'd to her. Where'd your friend get this information? Matlock wasn't even on TV yet. No, it wasn't. But I, I, I don't know. He just knew that if I did it, I'd go to jail. Right. And uh, he was older, by the way. Okay. years older than me. Oh, right, right, right. I was hanging out with, like, 18-year-olds. That that's how it goes, right? High school. And, uh, you know, I was in the uh, 10th grade. Right. So what happened was... Uh, 11th grade. And what happened was I uh, I went down the next day and got some papers from the recruiting office from the Marine Corps, took them home, forged my parents' signatures on them. Oh, wow. And went back and the next day and left and joined the United States Marine Corps. At 16. And they took me. I was gone. Wow. They thought I was I forged everything. Right. right about my age, everything. Wow. And, and I didn't care. If I show you pictures of me in boot camp, you look, there ain't a hair on my face. As a matter of fact, I was the only one in my whole platoon that didn't even have a hair in his balls yet. No. <laughs> Not only did you find love in Vietnam, but you hit puberty there. My balls didn't even drop. <laughs> oh, that's insane. Yeah, they all thought I was gay for years. Then they thought I was a virgin. What's the matter with you? You're homosexual. I said, no, I'm not. What's the matter with you? Let's you go get laid. can't let this guy die a virgin. I said, I don't know how. Oh, my said, what, God. What do you mean? I said, I haven't had sex. Everybody just went quiet. What? Oh, we're all going to take you out tonight. You're getting laid. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're afraid. Yeah. Of all the things to be afraid of. Well, I was under the impression if you stuck something in some girl, she'd have a baby immediately and I'd be a daddy. Oh, man. And I was no way, shape, or form wanting to be a daddy at, at right. 16, 17 years old. You right, know? right. Um, where was this? Where, where are you from, anyway? From, I'm from Lunnington, Michigan. Lunnington, Michigan. Okay, right. Um, small town, man. Small yeah, town. Small. Is that where you own the land that you were talking about? Yeah. Cool. Up there outside of that in a place called Wallahalla. Huh. It's next to a little place called Coons Peckers Point. It's right around a corner from Two <laughs> Spot Corners. Yeah. <laughs> Ken, where are you from? Coons Peckers Point. What about you, Piss Spot Corners? Oh, wow. It's just a big, long, black cliff. Um, <laughs> okay, so you go out with Tyson that first time. You're having fun. So how do you start getting into bodyguard? Because you bodyguard for a lot of people, right? Oh, my God, everybody. But what happened was... I fought this guy, Davey Harris, in the gym, and we got it on like Donkey Kong. Now, a lot of people didn't know that. we. This is the guy I fought in the Empire State Games and got disqualified in the finals with two years in a row. Heated, heated, heated. Race, I guess, came into it. Oh, he's black dude? Yeah, definitely. So were and, you guys like – so it's heated, 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 so – but like – Outside of the ring? We didn't know each other outside the ring, me and this guy. We just got it on. You know, I was sitting in my locker room, and I'm getting ready to fight my first year in the Empire State Games in the the, uh, semifinals. And the door opens up, and all these brothers come in, and they all start threatening me. And Davey comes in, and I'm, fuck you up, and this and that. I'm like, wow. Right. Holy shit. In these these situations. I jumped right up. I ain't afraid of you. Right. I didn't know it was supposed to be. And, you know, I just didn't give a fuck because I'm not afraid of you. Oh, I'm black. So what? 
You can't let them get that. That that it never bothered me. I, I didn't grow up with that. I didn't grow up right. with. I grew up in a little hillbilly town. I didn't grow up with a racist. I didn't grow up with. There was none of that there. I, right. I never went to school with a black person. Right. I never saw one in my whole town ever. First time I saw one was in the Marine Corps. Right. And I was friends with all that, so I I, I didn't. Gotcha. You don't have any of that preconceived notion. No. Nope, or racism in me. Right. So I don't. I don't know how to walk out and call them the N word. Right. Right. I never right. used it. You know what I mean? We didn't use that. It just wasn't what, right. Nobody used it, so <laughs> there was nobody to call it. <laughs> so who am I? Yeah, who am I going to? You know, I, I I didn't know that to go out and say, "Hey, you're a blah blah blah." I didn't do that. Right. So we get into this whole thing, and he's fighting a white guy, and he's assuming that I know all about that, and I should right. be intimidated by it, right. or it should have a factor in a boxing match. So we get in the fight out there, and I'm going after him like crazy, and he's dipping down really low, like uh, like Pee Wee. And you know, Pernell Whitaker, how he go down like that? So he goes down really low, and I can't catch him. So next time he goes down really low, I need him in the face. Uh, well, that shit him right up. Then I hit him with an overhand right. His trainer jumps the ring because I need him in the face. I hit him with a right hand. <laughs> Boom. His other other trainer comes running in here. I kick him in the crotch. And I turn around and catch one right in the face, and, and I'm floored on the ground. I get up, and I realize the person that dropped me was my own trainer. No! I said, Ed, what you doing? Whose side are you on? He said, what are you, trying to get us killed? <laughs> he said, everybody's going nuts. So in the amateur, yeah. in the amateurs, they don't just disqualify me. They disqualify us both. I got you. So again, the following year, here we both are again. Now it's the repercussions of last year. Sure. It's, everybody's on. It's on it nine bo- before it you get It boiled over 30 the... seconds into the fight. Right, We right. both got disqualified again. So now I walk into the gym. And I see him for the first time. This guy's training in my gym. So we leave Gleason's and we go over to Panama Lewis's gym, which was um, um, King's uh, Ringside Boxing. It was on uh, 41st and uh, 8th Avenue above the Burger King. That was a real pit. Now, this I call it a pit because I was training with Don Turner there. And it was no no air conditioning. You sparred in 107 degrees every day. It was 107, sweating like a pig. No air, you nothing to breathe. I mean, it was a pit. This is like going, like rising up back to the top. Took my time, took my chances. When uh, when Rocky got his ass beat and he went to the s- second film and he went to the pits, still yeah. out of box. That's exactly those gyms really exist, and that's where you learn to fight. There are no rules. Mm. You get hurt, you get dropped. You better get up. This guy could kick you, elbow you, head you, head butt you, blow snot. In your so face. you guys went there to go fight. We ended up there, and then uh. I, I came into the gym one day once again without my trainers, and he was there. He said, "You want to spar?" Well, you fucking know I do, man. I was dressed. I was in a ring. So me and him are warring day after day. And then uh, one day I walk into the gym and we're getting ready to do uh, a sparring session. So you guys are sparring day after day like this? fucking throwing down like you wouldn't believe trying to kill each other. Hardcore fucking knuckle sandwiches, baby. But But do you respect and appreciate it in a way? Or do you hate the guy? No. You, at the time... At the time, there was mutual respect when we weren't in the ring, but it was core, It was kind of like a professional respect that you sort of had to have, right. and everybody had to see. Not the respect you would have when you walk outside, hey, man, you want to go grab a coffee? Gotcha. That hadn't came yet. Okay. Um, because you do that, but you only get that when you retire from boxing, by the That's way. A, right, sure, sure, sure. Never when you're fucking still throwing down. Mm. Never. So... We're doing a sparring session in there, and uh, he goes down from a right hand, and uh, he dies right in the gym. You've never seen a gym empty so fast in your life. I go, what do we do? You killed the guy in the gym. He, well. In the ring. Yeah. David Pierce, he died in, uh, there was Ryan, I think the other guy's name was Ryan Stiles. We're doing a round robin. That's when one guy gets in there for three rounds, the other guy gets in there for three rounds, another guy gets in there for three rounds, another guy gets in there for three rounds. You go back and forth, and uh, there's no break. You just keep going. And that's usually when a fighter's getting ready to fight for a title or something. Uh-huh. Or or he's getting ready to just have a fight, and he wants to make sure he's ready. Right. People don't realize how dangerous getting punched in the head is. Right. And I thought, oh, he, he did drugs, or he did this, or he did that. And... uh 
I, I, I literally stayed in the gym until I saw a black man turn blue. Oh, man. And, and, I, and I watched him lay there and lay there, and everybody left. I'm like, you're going to call the cop. Where's, where's the help going to come? And like 20 minutes later, they're like, Ken, you can go now. So I left. Still no police or medic, medics there. Okay? I don't know what happened after that. All I know is after that, um, I had one fight after that, and I quit boxing. Wow. And people said, why? I said, I, don't, I c couldn't get over Davey dying. Not that, you know, we sparred a guy and he belted his brains in and he died. That didn't bother me. That didn't bother me, you know, that you could possibly go out there and kill a man. It did not bother me. What bothered me was no one gave a fuck. Right, right. There was no one there. No one to come in and, and help him or take care of him. That his own corner, half the people that were there left. There was only one guy still there. No one, and I said, that could be me. Right. I'm in a sport where they don't give a shit about you. And I walked away from boxing. Now, today, if you listen to me talk and you, and you look at my life and the career I've had as an actor and all this stuff, when I look at my friends that fought, look at Ricky Womack. He was with me at the time uh, uh, in that stage of boxing. He went to prison for robbing a, a deli for eight bucks and doing something. Right. And, you know, he went to prison for a long time. You see a lot of these guys get washed up, and there's no sense of community. Nobody's Nobody gives a and fuck. most of them, uh, Kenny. Uh, yeah. Uh, even if you look at Hollowfield now, he looks all great and stuff, but he slurs the speech really bad. Right. You know, and I see what's going to happen to him. And, you know, when I met Muhammad, like I was telling you, I met him in, uh, I, I, I sparred this kid that was a real tough kid, and uh, I told you beat the living daylights out of him. He had no experience. After that, I got in a ring with a guy who had skills, and he wanted to take out what this guy, I did on this guy on me. Right. And he come ripping at me, and he opened up my chin, gave me like 45 stitches, up the headbutt. Uh -huh. You know, I'm no pansy ass when I get cut. I get mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next round, my trainer, I just shorted my punches up, and I caught them. I kept put my forearms underneath to hold them up. I went to work on them, got them in a corner. I went to work on them, slammed them in the balls, came back with an elbow, elbow <laughs> to the face. I came back with another elbow. I thumbed them in the eye. People yeah. going, you know, it's ultimate fighting. This was it. Right. But I had gloves on. I stepped back and beat the shit out of them. And I turned, and there was Ali. And Ali goes, yo, man, can I get a couple rounds with you? I said, that's Muhammad Ali. Hell yeah. Oh, my God, Muhammad Ali. Where's the cameras? No cameras. Yeah, yeah. Where's the <laughs> No Twitter, no Instagram. Where's the cell phones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was nothing. So he gets in a ring, and I hit him with everything I threw. I come back to my corner and tell Don. I said, I'm done. No, 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 you can't. You got a couple more rounds with the champ. You're learning shit here. And I looked at him, and I go, learn him what? He says, come on, stuck my mouthpiece in. Shut up, go out there and beat on him. Went out there, wham, 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 wham. Hitting him with everything you got. Everything. Hitting, hitting him with stuff that's opened other people up and knocked them. Right. And I've the, hit the my, my idol. Yeah. You know, I had three idols. Okay, I'll tell you who they were growing up that gave me inspiration. Muhammad Ali, Elvis Presley, how I do, man, and John Wayne. Okay? Three American fucking icons. Yeah. For me, that uh, growing up, those were my idols. Sure. Okay, John Wayne died and never got to meet him. When I was in the Marine Corps, Elvis Presley died. So I never got to meet him, or I would have. Somehow I would have met him. But Ali, I got to meet. I got to spot him. hit him. And then I, I, I stopped in the second round. He goes, what are you doing? Come on, kid. Come on, man. I started crying. I said, take your gloves off, dude. He goes, what? I said, take them off. I never put them on again. You can't fight. I said, I suck. You're the greatest. You can't do shit. <laughs> you can't spar. You can't do I was crying. Tears rolling down my face. I said, don't let anybody hit you like that. Please, I know what the, the, the damage it'll do to you. Uh, what else am I going to do for a living, man? He told me, he says, so he gets, a, he gets changed. I get changed. And he said, come on, let's go to Dempsey's. I'll buy you lunch. So we walked down the street. People stopped him left and right for, for uh, not photos, but autographs. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because no one had cameras. Right. People stopped in their cars, jumping out of cabs. Right. Cab drivers putting them in park. Yeah, getting out just to talk to him. We go to Dempsey's and we talk. How uh, long is that? How long is that walk? Because everybody's stopping him and talking to people. Probably an hour, and it was only like five blocks. Wow. 
know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, nonstop. Now, now, the last years of his life when he did the Adidas commercials, Yeah. I got hired by, uh, I guess, Adidas or whoever was doing a production on that to bodyguard Ali. And I came from Ali. Yeah, and it was incredible, man, because now it's later in life. He's really sick uh, and shaken and ill, and I have so much respect for him and love for him. You know, when when the time came, he said, I said, I don't do that work anymore, man. I'm acting, I'm doing stuff, and please, you know. I said, okay, uh, I'll do it. So and I basically was holding him up. My phone's over there, but I'm going to show you a photo of him. Um, holding him up and keeping him where he could do stuff. Right. Now, we got out in front of the, region, uh, re, uh, the Regency on, on uh, 59th Street. Is that the St. Regis or something? Uh, right down the block from uh, um, Trump's uh, hotel. What's the name sure. of that? What's Trump's hotel called? I don't know. But the Time Center's all right there. Central Park's right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, the Plaza. Yeah. It was right down right on the same side of the street as the Plaza. St. Saint Re- Saint Regis. Okay. And uh, we got out of the out of the town car. And I kid you not when I say there was a thousand people on us within four or five minutes. Wow. There was dozens on us within seconds and hundreds on us within a minute. Wow. People left their cars, cabs, people jumped out of their horse buggies, everything. And now it's just me and Muhammad. And there was so many people around. Everybody's like, who are all these brothers behind you? The bodyguards? I said, no, they were just trying to get in the pictures. <laughs> I said, no, it was just me. And it was the most incredible thing. He was shaking. He had a nickname for me, but I won't tell you what it was. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but he Some called, things are better left unsaid. Eh, it's that word you don't want me to say. Right, but he right. called me, and I'm going, but I'm white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Term of endearment. Yes, and it really was. Yeah. Because when he talked, he would talk like this, and, he could, and, and no one's around, you can understand him perfectly clear, you know, because right. it was so low. But, but, it was, it, but once he had to raise his voice or something, he, 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 he got all disheveled. And right. Yeah. You know, but when we were alone, he could talk. And, and he autographed a couple special things for me that nobody else has. Mm. There was a boxing magazine that was going to come out. And now I'm working for him, and the guy comes up to me and says, Hey, this magazine never came out. This is your original copy. Wow. Hold on one second. Yeah. Hey. You want me to yell at him? No. <laughs> Go get it. Okay. Um. So, so um, he... Uh, of, uh, this, the original. This, this guy Phil said, I got this cover of this original magazine. Can you get him an autograph it and give it back to me? I said, yes, I can. And uh, he autographed it, and it's on my wall. Oh, awesome. I never gave it back. Right. There's no way in the hell. <laughs> nah, your dead body. Because that's one of, a th- one of a kind. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, he, he gave it to me, and uh, he said, I want you to have this. And this is going to be precious and worth priceless one day. And I go, why? He says, because I can't autograph anything anymore. I got somebody doing it while you're getting his original. Oh, wow. So at that time, I said, well, I got four or five other things that originally signed these, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <You know? laughs> this episode of Fight Story has been brought to you by Absolute Nature CBD. For the very best in all-natural, all-organic CBD oil and CBD oil products, head over to AbsoluteNatureCBD.com. Use the promo code Goon Squad. Save yourself 20%. Absolute Nature CBD has no GMOs, pesticide-free. It's lab-tested. There are no chemicals, and it's organically grown. All that hippy-dippy bullshit that you boys are worried about these days. So check out Absolute Nature CBD. Use the promo code Goon Squad. Save yourself some cash and ease your pains and aches. Can you tell me about some of the wilder tales of you bodyguarding, like some of the stuff that you encountered? Oh. Okay, I got one. I got one for you. Right, perfect. All right, I'm working for Tyson. Yes, that's what I want. (laughs) All right. I'm working. Mike, don't hate me for this, but I'm pretty sure you'll love me for this. We were in a China club one night. Yeah. And Chris and all you guys were my friends at the China club. I'm sorry I did what I did, Chris. I love you, man. So... We dropped like I don't know four or five thousand dollars on on some liquor. Yeah, and Tyson tipped the girl eight hundred dollars. Yeah, the check. Was Tyson made a lot of people's nights. It sounds like. Well, listen to this. We were thirteen dollars short on the check. 
So, so you think the waitress would go, no problem, I got that out of the $800 tip. Yeah. And pay it. But they did not. So security and everybody comes walking up the table that were shorting them. I brought Mike Tyson into your friggin' place. You got thousands of people in here because I got Tyson in here. Right. And right. you're worried you about thirteen dollars when I don't pay for a fucking drink in here ever. Right. All right. Or get in here ever. So what happened was they threw us out. I was enraged. So I got went home. You say they threw you out. They asked you to leave. Now they actually came up with eight guys. Wow. And threw you and Mike Tyson out. Out of the China Club. Wow. How yeah. intimidated must have those guys have we, been? We wanted to fight with them, yeah. but we knew we weren't going right. to. So here's here's what happened. And Chris, I'm sorry I'm telling this story. So I went home and dressed up in rags and put mud all over my face and wrapped my head in a rag. And I went and sat out in front of the China Club on the street like a bum. Put my hand out, $5, $3, you got money, you got money. Hey, get away from the door, move. Nobody knew who I was. And I begged for money all night. Around 5 in the morning, the manager who did this to us come walking out. And I followed him down the street. And when he was crossing the street, I said, yo, man. And he turned around and I dropped him with the left hook. <laughs> I pulled the, the rags off my face. Now I could see my face. Can he please? Boom! With another left hook. Get up, motherfucker. Remember me? Boom! I said, "This is this is for what you did to us." And uh, then the China Club was owned by some friends. Yeah. <laughs> they all called me in for a, a sit down. <laughs> you can't go around beating people up, Ken. <laughs> but what the hell happened? I said, "Well, you know what happened? They threw us out. They threw Mike Tyson out. They threw me out. They degraded us over thirteen dollars." I said, they disrespected us. There was no fucking reason for that. And uh, he goes, what? They didn't know that. Mike was like, Kenny, man, you know all that liquor was free. You didn't have to pay for it. Anything you do, well, we can, we're going to comp you. We're going to do this. Tell Mike to come back. And, and we'll comp him. We'll take care of him. Now, as far as I know, after that incident, Mike never went back. Right, right. You know? Um, Might have went back. That's like, crazy. He's the biggest celebrity in the world, and you're dude. I brought John McEnroe, Lawrence Taylor in there. I, I, I brought Johnny Depp, De Niro. Uh, uh, just I brought Ed Hare. I brought so many people into that place to make it a famous place. Right. I brought celebrities in there, not so I didn't come in without them. Right. You know, and my buddy Paulie, he would help me hook me up with everybody. Gary Busey. I could just name for for hours the people I brought in there. Sam Kennison, all the people that made that place super super famous. Oh man, so we gotta talk about they that. They didn't wanna they didn't want to charge me anything for that. Right. So I had to sit down, they all apologized, please bring Mike back, five bottles of champagne on the house. I was like, Yeah, you know, we got other places to go now, but it's not a problem. But it was and yeah. you know, they, they can we don't want you dressing up and beating up anybody anymore. <laughs> I went back to the Chinese club religiously after that. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, looking at that manager, right. Yeah. Well, no, no, I had to go and shake his hand and tell him I'm sorry. Right. You know, uh, and I really was sorry because I, he was really, he treated me like gold. You know, even though I got mad and did my, that was the mentality of my boxer that came out. Right. That was me sticking up for my friend that came out. You know, that's it with fighters. You know, you turn, like I said, you turn on your own family and beat the shit out of them. Right. You know what I mean? Once a fighter comes out in you, that being a Marine, you know, all I know is going forward. I don't know going back. I don't know apologizing. John Wayne had taught me at a young age, apologies, they're for pussies. Never apologize. It's a sign of weakness. Oh, I'm saying, don't say it. <laughs> don't do anything you have to apologize for, but if you do do something, never apologize because then they think they're stronger than you and better than you and they stand above you. And if you don't apologize, they'll always be below you because there's that thing. There's always that. It's, and, How many divorces have you been in? <laughs> uh, none. <laughs> none. That sounds like a, the, the, none. the I'm strategy of a divorce. To my wife now, and I'm never yeah. divorced. Right, right, right. You mentioned a bunch of those people. You bodyguard for Kinnison for a little while? Yeah. Was How was that? Oh, my God. Let me tell you that about that. All right. My friend Richard Belzer said, hey, I'm going to introduce you to my friend Sam Kinnison. Right. So we went to Sam's show. I met Sam after we laughed our balls off. Now, I'm not a fighter anymore. Right. So. Oh, yeah. So what are you, what are you like, 40 when this is going down? Yeah. And I'm okay. doing a blunt. 
<laughs> most, most people didn't even know what a blunt was. I smoked them all over in a place. Yeah. Somebody's smoking weed. I'm like, son of a bitches. <laughs> what kind of cigar is that, Ken? That's uh, Cohiba. <laughs> smells good. But where's the weed coming from? I don't know. We find them, we kill them. <laughs> I'm smoking right in front of them and no one knew what it was because right. the, the Jamaicans, man, they showed me that trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sam goes, hey, come on, I'm going to step out and smoke a joint. I said, I don't smoke a joint, dude. You got something against pot? I said, no. Well, that smells good. What do you got? I said, this is a special joint. He smokes the blunt. He's like, holy shit. Yeah, this is good. I got something else we should try, Ken. I'm like, I don't do that, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> Sam did this huge line. They laid on the floor and did fried bacon. I don't know if you've ever seen him do so fried bacon. So he was bacon. shaking? Holy shit. It was out of control, man. We were laughing our balls off. So... Remember, he was supposed to do the Joan River show, and he didn't show up. So Joan came to the plaza and got the keys and opened up the door and came in. And Sam was in there with his uh, wife in bed, and she just came in with the camera and started yelling at him. He was with us the night before. I'm sorry, Joan. Wait, you're dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I take that sorry back. Um, <laughs> he missed it because we were out baking all night long, and I don't mean cookies. Yeah. Um, and we partied our fucking ass off. With that guy... We were sitting at a table. This is my funniest story with Sam. We're sitting at a table at the Sunset Plaza at the uh, the French place there. There's a French restaurant in Sunset Plaza, Le Petit Four. And we're sitting there with the band Cinderella, Paulie Shore, Richard Belzer, Sam Kennison, his beautiful wife. Well, she wasn't his wife yet, and her sister because he did them both. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they both found out about it, and I don't know how he kept that together, but he married her after he did his sister. <laughs> he was he was very high. He was, he was super, <laughs> and the guy was super fucking cool. Yeah. I became such best friends with him. You know, he died on his wedding day. Oh, did he? Yeah, by a drunk driver in Vegas at nine o'clock in the morning. Right. And he wasn't drunk. The dr the the guy was when they were in their limo. They killed him. Crazy. Uh, it really is because he was such a great guy, man. And I miss him every day. So. We're sitting there, we're all having a nice lunch, and we're laughing, and his wife, his girlfriend, she was very endowed. Right. Beautiful. She's wearing a bustier, beautiful. And we're sitting there laughing and talking, I'm talking to her right across from her, and all of a sudden, it breaks, and they pop right out. <laughs> Boing. <laughs> so I'm sitting right across from my jaw just hits the floor. Yeah, <laughs> I'm breathless. And I'm erect. Yeah. And I'm like, Sam, <laughs> I'm sorry. Holy shit, those are beautiful. And he just looks at her, looks at him. He starts laughing his ass off. The whole table started laughing. And, oh! and she fixes <laughs> him, and then we just go back to eating. And that is my most memorable, yeah. coolest thing with Sam Kennison and his beautiful sexy lady. Right, right. That's popping out. Everybody's having to chuckle over it. Oh, my God. So how did you start, like, bodyguard? I guess once you start bodyguarding well, for some of these people. After, uh, you know, Davey died, everybody came to me and, well, why, why'd you quit boxing? Why'd you quit boxing? Uh, right. And Mike wanted to know about it because, you know, he, he always wanted to kill a motherfucker. And uh, seriously. Right. You know, that moment. Um, and I was like, uh, I got no work. I don't know what to do. He goes, what? I said, I don't know what to do with my life. I thought I was going to be the light heavyweight champ of the world. We'll get back in the ring. You can't do it. I can't. Something changed. Something changed in me. It was gone. What? It was gone. The violent fucker, he's still there. Don't don't push him. Right, right, right. But the guy that wanted to do that, right. I don't want to beat on anybody anymore. I don't want to fight because I have to. Right. I don't want to fight because it took the joy out of it. Right. I watched that guy die, and what took the joy out of it, is no one gave a fuck about him, me, Tyson, Sugar Ray, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, Joe Frey. No one gives a shit. If you look at baseball players or football players, oh, look at Kronk. He just retired. In three years, nobody give a fuck about Kronk. Right. Right. Okay? You're, you're just a disposable piece of entertainment. Well, I mean, I think that's probably true of most people. You know, it's the the only people that get any type of send off or seem to get memorized. You know, Alex Trebek gets cancer. Two million people weep. Somebody's, uh, you know, some grade school teacher gets cancer. They can't raise 
500 bucks through a bank sale. You know, like, right. I th- think people don't give a fuck in general. Right, that's you know? so true. Um, you know, and Alex Trebek, you know, I know he, he was sick and stuff, but I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I couldn't stand that show anyway. <laughs> fuck you, man. I mean, what did he, what, what did he, yeah, anyway, that's Spinning a... Spinning <laughs> a wheel around. And yeah, who cares? Who fucking right cares? Right. What have you done? There's another one of those shows. What's the other one? I can't stand it either. Uh, wheel of Fortune. Yeah. It's gotta be. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I like to stick that wheel up something anyway. So, so Tyson, you, you talk to Tyson, you're like, I don't know what to do. And you're, he goes, you're trying to figure out. Yeah, I didn't know what to do. My my buddy Paulie, he brought a bunch of people around me, and uh, it was like I started working. I did Chris Walken for a while. I did huh. Eric, I did Eric Roberts, um, Charles Durning. Uh, just I started doing bodyguard work for uh, all kinds of. I did Madonna when she did Saturday Night Live. Wow. Yeah, uh, and I started. Wow, your reputation's growing. I started making a couple grand a night, and, and now even more. And then uh, Tyson's like, work for me, you know, hang out with me. And, uh, w- you know, I'll introduce you to the world and, you know, until you can figure out what you want to do. And, and actually what happened was I, I was bodyguarding so much. I was doing so much work, you know. I, I was doing Richard Belzer all over the place because uh, he was just introducing me to everybody. The same with Chris Walken, introducing me to everybody. And, and Charles Durning, introducing me to everybody. So I was getting John Stamos, just all the different people. So, but what's that even look like? Like, you're bodyguarding for Belzer. Belzer's like a top guy, I guess, right, he at the time. Comic going everywhere. And I just, right. You know, so I, you're just hanging out and keeping people at bay? Like, what's going on? The yeah, heckler I, gets I crazy at the end of a show? Up, excuse me, can I talk? Yeah, no. No one likes to be bothered. Right. They don't mind signing a couple of autographs and stuff. Sure. But they don't want but to there reaches a saturation point. Friend, you start acting up. You start doing stuff. Right. Now you're embarrassing them or you're eating or something. You know, some this one guy, Gary, sat down in front of all these people one day and he just reached across the table and put his hands into this into his wife's uh, plate and took the french fries out and his hands were all black and dirty. Started eating them and says, are you done with the burger? And the lady, uh, his wife had to take a couple bites out of it and she was eating. Yeah. You touched her food. She doesn't want anything, you know, and, and everybody's looking at me. What are you going to do? And I know the guy. I know the guy. Yeah. And he's there because of me. Right. And he sat down because he just saw us. Right. And I had to tell him to, he didn't want to fight. He wanted to fight with me. It was, it was strange because then I realized, you know, when people, hey, I'm working, get the fuck away from me. What? Get the fuck away from me. And everybody knew when I had that look on my face, get the, get away. So I had that really good. And by the way, I had a ponytail all the way down to my ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like three foot long, you know. Uh, yeah, you know what? For that some was reason, two hundred eighty pounds. <laughs> yeah. not, not like I am here sitting two hundred five. Right. And right. I, I, you know, you know, how old are you? I'm fifty eight. I mean, you're not a guy who I would uh, who I would underestimate for a split second. But the, but that that's the whole thing. Um, I walked around with just a jacket on or a leather vest on. But no, normally with you no think no shirt. Right. Just giant guns hanging, you know? Right, right, right. And always with that look on my face wherever I walked. Right. Well, you're paid for that look. Yeah. But like ponytail now, you, you hear ponytail, and it's like, fucking this guy's got a ponytail. But like you talking about a ponytail, it's like instant Seagal. <laughs> Actually, I got pulled over one night, and I was drunk, and I was high as shit in my Corvette. Yeah. And the cops walked up to my car and saw me and, and looked inside my car, and I go, what is that? And picked it up and dumped it out. Said, you really disappoint me. I love your movies. No Now get the way. fuck out of here. And, st- and clean your life up. <laughs> he thought, you he thought I was Seagal. Seagal. <laughs> and if it wasn't Steven Seagal for being this great movie star, yeah. I'd have been in jail. I right. probably went to prison for that shit. Yeah, right, right. But you know what? That was the last time I ever did that shit. I said, wow, I can't do that never again. So people, hey, no. And from that moment on, through my whole life, I never did it. Right. Nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was hanging in the fast lane. I was, everywhere you went, there was coke. Oh, man. There was liquor. There was there was chicks back in, there was no Me Too movement. Every girl you knew was a movement. Hi, look at this. <laughs> so I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could tell you stories about getting in the back of limos. And uh, <laughs> wait a second. So but th- how I <laughs> was, tur- was uh, turned on to use the wrong word, but how I found out about you is uh, Jason Steinberg said, oh, you got to talk to Kenny. He was Tyson's bodyguard, and he had sex with Halle Berry. That's, oh, that's, that's a lie, man. Oh, that's a lie. Whoever said that, man. <laughs> Holly, I never said that, man. I never said it. <laughs> okay, moving on. Moving but on. I did I did meet her really good and save yeah, her yeah, ass and get really close, close, man. Did you bodyguard for her? We, you could probably talk about that. Actually, when I, 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 how I originally met Holly Berry was, okay, I know Holly Berry. 
Um, super, super sexy, beautiful lady. Okay. Yeah. She just did the Monster Ball, got the Academy Award. So she, so she. I, no, no, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. I'm in Malibu, and because uh, this is a cool story, I'm in Malibu and uh, I'm at uh, the Commons out there, and I'm going into this place called Marmalade to have lunch, and speak to some guys about a house that I'm renting. I'm meeting a real estate person. I get off my Harley, got my leathers on, and I'm walking up, and somebody slams into me. Turns around and takes off running. How disrespectful. I didn't catch him because he was gone so quick. Then all of a sudden, two other people slammed into me, and I reached out quickly without looking and just grabbed them. I grabbed one on one arm, one on the other, and the guy turns around, the guy turns around, and they both got cameras hanging around their neck and in their hands. And I looked behind him, and there was another 20 people running with cameras. Oh, wow. What the fuck is this? So I let go of the guys after they said they were sorry. Humbly said they were sorry. (laughs) And then I walked down to the pet store, opened up the door, went in, and walked into the back looking for the person that slammed into me. And I go by the, there's these cards for pets, you know, buy your dog a birthday card or whatever. And there was this person with a baseball hat on. And I walked up, head was down, I couldn't see her face, or his face. And I said, you all right? And she just looked up, uh, and I could see it was a girl. I said, you okay? She went, yeah. I said, can I do you any favors? What can I, you need help? Yeah, go outside and kill all those people. I said, oh, you're speaking of the right guy. <laughs> I said, I'd love to do that. So I walk outside and I said, hey, man, you know, give it a break. And uh, they were all taking pictures of me instead. So I locked the door, closed the door, and I go, uh, and they, they, they basically told me to stick it where the sun don't shine. I said, so if you bail me out of jail, I'm going to go beat the shit out of them. And uh, she started laughing. I said, what are you doing? She said, oh, I, I'm coming in here to buy a, a, a cat. Come and look with me. So we'll go over, and we're looking at all the little pets in there. She's, she wants to get this Persian cat. There was two of them. And uh, I said, who are you? She said, my name's Holly Berry. Holly Berry. You know Holly Berry? <laughs> I'm like, no, I actually don't know Holly Berry. Oh my God, that's the move, dude. When you meet a famous person, pretend like you don't know who they are. Even yeah. if you, you might legitimately not, but even if you do, pretend like you don't. Just take them right down to your level. And uh, she goes, Monsters Ball got the Academy Award. I said, never heard of that. Billy Bob Thornton? Oh, I can't stand him. I like to walk up to her and yank his wig off. <laughs> she started laughing. I said, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I didn't I didn't know she won the Academy Award or right. what the Monsters Ball was. Right. So um, we go over and we start looking at the kittens. And she says, well, which one do I get? So I looked at her and I go, well, you're Holly Berry, right? She goes, yeah. I said, get them both. You're right. So she bought two kittens. And then she goes and turns to me and throws me the keys. I go, what are these? These are the keys to my white Escalate. It's outside down a block. I said, what do you want me to do? She said, go get it and come around back and pick me up. I said, you got it. So she gave me the keys. I left and went out front. I walked, walking down, and everybody's kind of looking at me. All these photographers taking pictures. Do, 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 do. Yeah, walking yeah, down, yeah. they're not following me. Why are they following me? And they're following me down there, and I walk over, and I get in her car. And they all start running to get in their cars. Yeah. But half of them. I drove around back of the building, ran on foot around back. So now I parked the truck out back, popped the door, walking into the back door to get Holly. She's like, take your jacket off. I'm like, what for? I'm going to take my gloves off too, baby. She goes, no, take your jacket off. I'm going, why? So I can get underneath it. I said, they know who you are. Just get underneath it and hold me close. She got underneath it, and I got my jacket like this, and I'm holding her cats in a box on one side and walking out in the other. And they're just yeah, 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 all the way up into the car, and I take off down PCH, and I turn the car when we get to the traffic. Which way are we gonna go? And they were right on us. So of course I did a Kenny special. I turned and went into oncoming traffic. They stopped following us. No. I swear I did. I swear to God I did. I drove down about a half a mile and banged a Yui. Came back the same way, but they were gone. You know, trying to find us. And I, was and she I, losing her mind the entire time? She loved it. <laughs> she just loved it. And uh, 
I drove her up into Malibu. Uh, she had a place out there and stuff. And we just became, you know, friends. And she's a super great lady. Very nice story. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep it that way. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> I mean, she's super hot. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah. would, I would love to be the father for children. Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah. super hot, sexy lady. Yeah, I don't know about all that responsibility, but uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to get the chance. Um, that was wild. You know, I always wanted to meet everybody. I wanted to meet. I had a, a premonition about almost everybody. One night I, I had a dream, and I was like, the next day I... Um, about Bill Clinton and stuff, and uh, which I never liked him, by the way. Yeah, I, I don't like what he did to cigars. He gave cigars a bad name <laughs> and a bad taste. Good thing he so, didn't did use a blunt. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I walk into Border Books. One, I'm walking down uh, Park Avenue, 59th Street. Border Books is on a the corner there. There's a crowd of people. I walk up. I'm like, who's in there? Mayor? Who? Oh, President Clinton's in there. I go, what? I open the door, walk straight in. Nobody in the place but Bill Clinton, President wow. Bill Clinton, standing there looking at books. I'm trying to talk to him. He's got the book upside down. He's not really reading it. He just, I go, excuse me, book's upside down. Oh, okay. I swear. And I go, um, Mr. President. And he's going, yeah. Not looking at me. Secret Service, I walk right by him. They didn't stop me. They're not letting anybody in the store. But I walked right in. This isn't a dream. This is actually happening. I had a dream about it the night before. So I'm in there. I walk up to him and I go, Mr. President, my name's Kenny Simmons. Yeah. I said, I'm an actor and a filmmaker. What? Really? Hey, Ken. Just like that. Changed. Looked right at me. I got, walked up. I got to shake his hand. Now, outside, there's probably 300 people with cameras. So... I talked to him, and we're talking about films and what we're doing. And I said, this is my first movie. It's called Bitter Jesters. Just uh -huh. got the hard copy from post-production. I said, would you autograph and sign it, my original cover? He said, yeah. So he takes the plastic off it, you know, the papers underneath with the Bitter Jesters. He signs it. I said, could you date it? Yes, yeah. Yeah, thank you. So he signed and dated it. Oh, cool. And uh, I said, so you're in town, huh? Uh, are you going to visit Rudy Giuliani while you're in town? He's a really great ma mayor. And he, he looks at me and he goes, <coughs> Ken, how long have I been talking to you now? I said, well, about 11 minutes, sir. He said, well, that's 11 minutes longer than I'll ever speak to Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you came to town to hang out with me, huh? He goes, yeah. <laughs> Ken, you're a hilarious and funny guy. I said, I'm going to leave before I get in any trouble, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, perfect, hey. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Yeah. On a high note. I met the president, hung right out with him. Yeah. They had to have photos to prove it. So I walk outside to the photographer. Who took the pictures? Yeah. This is my number. Yeah. He said, send you something this afternoon. I said, thank you. Oh, so cool. The cool thing is there's hundreds of those pictures someplace. Give right. them up. I know you got them. Right, right. Um, well, do you want to talk about, I mean, we're sitting here in your, uh, in the, the party room of your place, you know, in Manhattan. It's a, uh, it's a pretty awesome room. Uh, we talked a little bit about, like, you know, you own a couple of things around town. But do you want to talk a, a little bit about, you know, the 9-11 project coming up? Um, I'm sitting with, right now, I'm negotiating a deal with right. uh, Nat Geo. Okay. And I'm really excited about it. It's cool. um, I am a 9-11 first responder. Um, no, I wasn't a firefighter. I wasn't a cop. But I was in the building. Right. When a building gave way, I was there. When a building fell and... Most of the people right in front of me died, which broke my heart. I stayed. When I survived the tower, coming out through the lobby of the Millennium Hotel through the subway system, came up out, buildings were down. Well, the first building was down. second one hadn't fallen yet. I walked over in church and Trinity, I think it was. God, I hope I got those right. When the second tower came down. And a concussion from that hitting the ground blew me back about a block wow. through the air. When I got up, I didn't know where I was at. I knew what had happened. But there was so much dust and debris, I couldn't see anything. I saw this bright light, and I kept going, well, what is that light? What is that light? And I kind of walked through it from all the dust. When I got there, no other light at ground, this is something no one knows, no other light at ground zero was on. There was no electric anywhere. There was nothing on. The only power that was on was the Burger King sign. 
happy to laugh. I, I went inside. But the visual of the Burger King shine clearing the through Burger the King. Dust. Oh God! So I walked inside of the store. French fries were in the counter. Hamburgers were there. Sodas in the trays. No one inside. Everything was wide open. Guest registers were there. Yes, but I didn't touch anything like that. This is not. That's You're not complete shock. That's not my style to rob anything. Right, but I, also the- I sat there just looking outside at the darkness for about three hours, maybe a little longer, and uh, finally I got the courage up. I said, "I got to go out there and see if I can find anybody alive." I walked out there into 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 hell. I, the crackling of buildings and things still falling and blowing up and explosions, like a, a literal war scene. It looked like Berlin. While the bombs were dropping, not after. Right. And uh, I didn't see anybody close to maybe six, seven hours. I didn't see one person. So wow. I, there are so many people that have lied to my face. Oh, I was there. I was this. I was like, where were you? Oh, I was over there. I, I said, really, by Brooks Brothers, huh? Yeah. That's funny. Because I was standing there. And I didn't see you. And I was filming there. And I didn't see you. Why would you lie about that? Yeah, really. That's really. Yeah, there was a comic that lied about that shit. Got called out for it. Oh my, so many people do. Yeah. I was there, I was there. Oh, I dropped coffee off three days later. I was there, dropped water off two weeks. You weren't there. That's not being there. Being there was helping. Being was there was when the shit came down, trying to pick up all those rocks, seeing a finger with a ring in it, seeing a cell phone that was ringing, but there was nobody there to pick it up, and you're just letting it ring because you don't want to touch it. Uh, seeing a computer that you open up that goes on, seeing the pictures from everybody's, seeing hats and clothes and, and, and clothes hangers and wall frames and clocks that are still ticking around that came from fucking the 80-story. Those are the things that you saw when you were there. Papers floating through the air. Uh, Dust and debris, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, it looked like midnight. Then you were there. Sorry. Then you were there. And you couldn't leave. You had tremendous guilt about leaving. You know? You wanted to leave. You wanted to go. And then you hate yourself because you survived and no one else did. So why was I there? And then you hate yourself afterwards because you suffer so bad from PTSD and you can't live with what you've seen. Then you were there. I was there when the bodies were hitting the roof and my cameras were recording and all you hear is people watch the footage. What is that, Kenny? Those are people jumping. Yeah, I was there. And it's nothing I'm proud of. And people say, well, you're a hero. I'm saying, John, I'm not... I am not a hero. People are definitely heroes. People that jumped out of there so, so they could have a body to find because the flames are so hot. They were heroes. I'm just a piece of shit that tried to help and I didn't do enough. I didn't do enough. No, it's intense. So why do you why do you think is it was it's taken like twenty years for you to release this stuff? Is it like were you just like internally warring, like debating this stuff? I felt embarrassed. Yeah. For wanting to make this movie, I felt I was taking advantage of the debt. I felt the shame that I even had it, but people had to see it because I felt like the voices that were haunting me, the images that I would see, the faces that pop into my head at night. Tell me, make this movie tell a story. Yeah. So I went to interview the people that lost their families. And uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cry. Oh, it's all right. And and I hear the love that comes out of them. Right. And the joy that comes out of them after they've lost everything. How they turned their frowns upside down. And I go, why? Tell me why. And somebody sits across from me who speaks Spanish, Greek, English, Italian, Spanish, Puerto Rican, Dominican, African-American. And they all say the same thing on different interviews. Freedom. We have what no one else has, freedom. And it gives us a chance to change it. We don't have to have hate. Yeah, we lost. But we can grow from it. I've taught my children to love, not hate. 
I taught my children to forgive. My five kids, I, I got through college. How much money did you get from 9-11? Well, we're still waiting. Wow. What happened to all the money of 9-11? Look how sick I am. The cancers, the neuropathy, the multiple sclerosis. How much money have they given me? They've denied me every step of the way. Prove you were there. I showed them movies and videos of me standing there working. You could have fabricated those. Come on. I swear to God. I said, look at I got hundreds of the firefighters. Look at the back of the jackets. Here's video inside the tower before it fell. Tell me I was, this is all fake. I like to bash your freaking button. I can't say what I want to say. Right, right, right. Uh, and then I had the mayor's office prove I was there. Oh, officer emergency management. Send letters and prove. Okay, now we know you were there. We're sorry. We thought you could have fabricated those. You are an actor and a filmmaker. <laughs> I said, you're really disgusting human beings. Yeah. And the doctors, I said, you're really creepy son of a bitches. And I said, oh, oh yeah, they, they, you don't even think about that, right? Like they've got doctors on payroll whose job it is to deny. Right. And they do it every, every step of the way. Wow. As long as they, I said, well, what happened to the first $9 billion? Where did it go? It didn't go to the rescue workers. Didn't go out to all the families who lost. Oh, went to people that lived down there to fix their homes and own buildings. All the people that didn't deserve a damn thing. You hear me? I don't give a shit. You like me or you don't like me. That's the truth. You didn't deserve that money. People are sick and dying. You know, over 3,000 men, 3,000 heroes have died since 9-11 from cancer and Thousands others are suffering from cancer and other 9-11 related illnesses. And you know what we're help we're getting? We're getting this, the right. middle finger. That's why I'm doing this movie. This is why I, I work hard to do what I'm doing. Right. So the legacy of heroes and what we did for our country lives on because people are trying to shadow that and push it away. Right. And I won't let it happen. It's funny because already it's only been... 18 years and you can already 19, 19. 19 years and you can already start to feel it getting further in the rearview mirror people don't know about it you, you know ask, oh, I, what, what, i've never heard of that right that didn't happen uh you're not teaching that in schools right you know right, because right. it's what that's common core common core doesn't teach history they don't teach national geographics they don't teach any honesty all they teach is lies political correctness you're teaching kids how to lie that's funny when we grew up if you lied you got in trouble you got suspended from school today if you don't lie you're no damn good uh, listen ken we've been going for well over an hour and Sorry, um, buddy. and no 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 it's good and i feel like we we didn't even touch like i had so many questions about um, like the bodyguard stuff, some of the people that you bodyguarded for. Somebody asked me about uh, a street fight that happened up in Harlem with Tyson. Yeah, and, um, he hit he hit Mitch from behind. That's it. I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> Mitch never saw it coming. It's pa it's past the statute of limitations on that though. He I'm never sure. saw it coming. Right. He was here, Mitch was here. He turned, Mike hooked up, broke his hand. Wow. Yeah. And there was a rumble after that. Not really. Oh, it was over. <laughs> yeah, he went yeah. right down. Yeah. He crashed him. Yeah, well, I mean, but I feel like there were so many things that we didn't talk about, but then there were so many things that, you know, these conversations go where they go, and I felt like we got a, we got a lot out of it. So I really appreciate... You do it another day, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And I, I really appreciate you sitting down and talking to me, man, and we've been going back and forth for a couple of weeks trying to, to carve out a time to do that. And uh, I hope that uh, we can see this thing on Nat Geo real soon. What's the, what's the title of it? It's oh, called Rise, America's Unsung Heroes. Mm, cool. Cool. All right. Well, there it is. Look for that on, uh, on hopefully on Nat Geo in the next coming year. And uh, your production company, Cool Hand Luke Productions. Cool Hand Luke Productions. Right. So hey, check it out. Check my my out. website, coolhandlukeproductions.com. And you can see a lot of stuff about my past and present, all the future. Cool. Uh, uh, it's really great. It's an incredible site. It'll take you uh, about 20 minutes just to go through the slideshow. Cool, cool, cool. So we'll uh, we'll definitely post all that stuff in the notes. Uh, Ken, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it, dude. God bless.